All right, all right, all right. Welcome to the Misfit Nation. The dog days of summer have definitely set in now. Are you working, lounging, hanging out at the beach or the lake? What are you doing to stay cool and beat the heat? Let us know. Hit us up on our socials. As you know, the Olympics are in full swing this week, and there have been some shockers. The U.S. women's soccer team came out flat and lost to a tough Sweden and have barely made it to the knockout rounds. The men's basketball team, what used to be called the Dream Team, fell flat down the stretch and lost to France. They bounced back and beat Iran. The Russians' women's gymnastic team dethroned the United States. This is huge. This should come with an asterisk, though. Simone Biles, there's no argument about it, is the best ever. Her routines are amazing, and her skill set is well beyond anyone else. The world saw this as an advantage and used power of persuasion on the Olympics to tell her she will only be judged on basic moves. Anything she did above that would not get judged, she would not get points for. They then went into in for the mental attack and tried to crush her that way. Simone stepped away on the biggest stage and will be ridiculed by tons of folk. Understanding her mental fitness is as important, if not more so, than her physical well-being was a huge move. She showed the world she's also good at understanding her mental health and wanted to save it for another day. I applaud you, and you set a very tough example here. I asked this on socials the other day, and I'll ask again here. When you're going through bad time, what do you do to make it easier? In part two, do the easy times come from triumph through the difficult times? Let us know your thoughts. Again, send us a message on any of our socials or a voice message here on Anchor, and we'll put you on the next episode. So, all right. If you're a small business owner and are always wondering how we can be more profitable, we have a person here who can help you out. The seller accountant makes life easier and more profitable for Amazon third-party merchants and other e-retailers. Their services are customized for each client to maximize financial visibility and security. So without further ado, let's get Tyler Jeffcoat of the seller accountant on here. Uh, welcome to the show. Absolutely, my friend. Glad to be here. So if you don't mind, tell, uh, tell the audience a little bit about yourself and a little bit about your backstory and uh, what you bring to the table. Sure. Well, I appreciate you having me, Richard. So Tyler Jeffcoat, I mean, my my story is that, you know, I'm here from, from Georgia, studied accounting at the University of Georgia and worked at a big bank. Um, I actually worked for a ministry a couple of years before that, but ended up at a big bank and didn't like the corporate world. So I started a healthcare company in 2012 um, with a business partner, had a pretty good run, sold the business in 2017. So we had a kind of a zero to 120 employee kind of run over about four and a half years. And uh, I'm I'm an accountant by trade and my MBA focus is in finance. So when I exited that business, I just thought, geez, I want to own another company. I want to coach entrepreneurs, leaders. How can I do that? And so I just, uh, you know, kind of was enthralled with e-commerce, had a friend that owned a big software company related to uh, Amazon sellers. And so we decided to start the company seller accountant, which is uh, the one that I'm spending most of my time with now. And that's what we do. We help these kind of, smallish, you know, uh, zero to $10 million a year businesses really succeed. And uh, I love it, man. It's a really, it's a great, great rhythm, great ride. I'm married, have two beautiful children. 
And yeah, man, grateful for life, dude. Thank you for having me on the show again. And no problem. That's an awesome thing you do to help those, uh, the smaller businesses, like you say, zero to 10 million. It's a big gap in the, the small area, but I guess they're all considered small in the, in the broader scope of business. Yeah, no doubt. It's kind of hard. I mean, it's it's funny because if you're a normal, like, you know, even me a few years ago, I've been like, wow, $10 million, that's so huge. Like, that's the Goliath, but it really isn't. I mean, the Goliath right. is Amazon. The Goliath is, is Target. The Goliath is Walmart. And so I think creating the level of kind of financial sophistication, the tools so that the quote unquote small guy can still be successful, make a great living, you know, it's, it's really what we're all about. And that's awesome. I have a, I don't know if you listened to the earlier shows, I think my episodes uh, five through seven or 10 were all great. This couple are still active and they benefit greatly from your advice. So what, what could you bring them as they're, they're really all startups at this time? Yeah. So it's, it's funny. I don't know who the exact connection was there, but I've, um, my dad was a Marine grew up at backyard of Fort Benning in Columbus, Georgia. So I love, I love veterans personally. And I think also, I think a great potential career track for anybody, by the way, I'm, I kind of have an entrepreneurial like DNA, kind of a <laughs> sneaky agenda to help people really find a way to open their own businesses. But there's no better time to do that than when you're you know, getting out of the service and right. You have a, you have a, maybe a little bit of income or a little bit of cushion time to try something. And so I just think, I think if you're in that spot, you know, really understanding what you're great at. All right. Wow. I really have this problem. I want to maybe develop a product that can solve this problem and really being great at the stuff you're great at. And then, you know, finding ways to frankly outsource the crap you don't want to do. Um, like for me, I, I'm an accountant, right? But I hate taxes. I don't even do my own taxes. I have a CPA do my taxes because taxes are my worst nightmare. Right. And so, but when it comes to being a CFO or helping someone know how to make their business worth more money or be more profitable on their website or on, on Amazon. Like that's what I really get excited about. Right. So if you're an entrepreneur out there and it's like, wow, I'm, I'm bad at all of these other things, but I'm really good at developing a product and, and getting fit and moving into the market. Don't be afraid to hire teammates or even maybe an outsourced agency like mine to cover the blind spots where you're just not quite as strong. Yeah, that's definitely a good thing. I started my college career trying to be an accountant as well many, many moons ago, and uh, I just could not handle it. I started poking myself in the eye, and then I went to marketing, and then it took me basically my whole military career, 22 years, to finish my degree, and at that time, it ended in emergency management. So I, I really changed the scope of what I was going for after 22 years. Oh, dude, that's awesome. I love it. Yeah, it's a... That's a great, honestly, a great path, right? If you could somehow understand the basics of finance, but then actually get a more practical skill set, that's pretty neat. I, I Richard, I, I did listen to some of your podcasts, but I don't know a ton about your story, man. So that's uh, thanks for serving our country, bro, and kind of need to hear your journey here, man. No problem. Uh, yeah, like I said, I did 22 years, and uh, basically, I could put my education way to the background as I was doing my career. Then I realized I actually need this when I get out, when I want to get my adult job, I guess. My big kid job after being a kid playing army for 22 years, because it was basically it was a fun job, you know, minus going to war a few times or four times, but it's still a fun job. It, you either love it or you hate it, and I, I loved it. And then I had to get an adult job, so I said, I might as well have a degree, and I did that. Now I'm just at what 15, I retired. Now 21, I'm going for my PhD, so it's it's still That's moving awesome. pretty fast. With me. 
Oh, that's so great. Well, funny, like military career story really quick. And this is probably not on task for this, but my, my brother's brother-in-law. So my, my sister-in-law's brother uh, was a Marine, a couple of tours, got out, got a nursing degree, worked in the hospital for uh, several years and is now back in basic training. Actually just finished basic training for the army. Cause he's like, man, I can't do this civilian thing. I'm done with it. I, I need to get back in. And, <laughs> and so he is actually at, at Rucker right now, learning how to fly helicopters uh, as a 35 year old, he squeaked in as a 35 year old and he's like kind of back in, back in the seat and his family's pumped. And um, <laughs> uh, that's outstanding. <laughs> he probably could have gone in just as a nurse since he had that degree. He could have, he's like, I want to fly helicopters. I'm like, all right, that's cool. David. You, you do what you, you do you buddy. You, you do what you got to do. So. <laughs> I actually have a good friend moving to Fort Rucker right now. <laughs> yeah, that's great, man. Yeah, I don't love a, I don't love everything about Alabama, but Fort Rucker apparently is a pretty cool place to be. So, yeah, it's a nice location. It's not far from Panama City Beach or Orange Beach. It's it's a good location. Love it, love it. Well, Richard, I mean, is there anything in particular you think your audience would want to like hear us chat about? I mean, I, I'm loving your model here, but I want to make sure I'm serving the guys that are listening to this. I think for my entrepreneurs, any advice, anything you can tell them or how to get in touch with you or, or tips and tricks that you did when you started your first, like your nutrition business, what you did there to help you expand it the way you did before you moved away from that. What, what were your tips and tricks there that can help them as they are all building at this time? Wow. That's a good, it's a good question. I mean, for me, I, I feel like I know some guys that I would call kind of true entrepreneurs. They're like inventing something brand new. And I just got to be honest with you, Richard, that, that really hasn't been my experience. My experience has been, let me interact with something that pisses me off enough to try to do something about it, like make it better. And <laughs> yes. so that, and so to be like honest, like our, our healthcare company wasn't really nutrition. It was really a, like helping people with Alzheimer's disease. Like my grandmother had had a bad experience in a nursing home. I was like, man, this is BS. Like, how we got to treat our seniors better than this. Let's, let's just see if we can build a model with nurses and CNAs to do a better job. And so I was grateful to have somebody willing to invest a little bit of money to start that business. Um, but I think to pivot into advice, I think that's where you start. What's something that the like if something makes you angry, it probably makes other people angry also. And I wonder, and so if there's like kind of the intersection of like, this is really frustrating for me. And it also is something I'm kind of good at. Like I kind of have a knack for, there's probably a business hidden in there that you can solve a problem and monetize it. And I think the second thing is, you know, advice from an accountant (laughs) is I didn't keep my own books for the first six months because for the beginning of a business, your books don't matter, right? It's all about building revenue. How can I find a path to get people to pay me to do something meaningful? And, and so that's my second. So first tidbit is find a problem, solve it. It doesn't have to be sexy, right? I mean, we, we were a home care business that did the model better than our competitors. Now I'm an accounting firm that's super niche. Um, maybe that's the second piece of advice here is there are riches in niches. So can I find something so narrow, so specific that I might have a chance of being the best in the world or the best in my town at this? And I don't want to compete with the masses. I want to compete with just a few people where I can really focus. And so you know, my dad owns a real estate brokerage kind of company. I don't do his accounting. I don't know how to do that accounting. That's not my that's not my sweet spot. But if you're an Amazon seller or a Shopify seller, okay, I'm the expert. I'm the guy that gets to speak at the conferences and do that. And I would say that that's the true for you guys out there also. Like, right, okay, what's the thing that I could get so excited about that I might have a chance of being the best in the world? Kind of buy into that mantra. There are riches and niches. Let me get really niche so that I can, you know, make a profit in this business. And 
And then, the, and then the final thing I'll say is just, it's going to be hard. Like the first year startup for me, uh, both of these times in, in industries, I've, I've never had a, even though my degree is in accounting, I've never had a real accounting job. So, so I, I don't like, I didn't come into the business here knowing what I was doing. I had to figure it out and it's pretty lonely and it's kind of crappy, like dialing for dollars every day. Hey, would you please listen, I'll shine your shoes. I'll do your laundry. I'll mow your lawn and I'll do your accounting. Just give me some money. Right. <laughs> and, and so I think just not, you know, not giving up, finding customers. And then once you get a little bigger, you can say, oh, crud, those were not great customers. Let me not get as many of those. And these are really good customers. Let me get more of these. But I think at the beginning, find something you're passionate about, find something niche, 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 and then just get after it until you find some revenue. And then you got a problem you can try to kind of solve into a business, you know? Right. And I, I like your your mantra there because it's kind of like what we our mantra for the Misfit Nation is to the three H's of leadership is to be humble, stay hungry, and keep hustling. So mm-hmm. when you hit those walls, you got to just keep pushing through them. And a lot of uh, first year businesses go out of business because they hit those walls and they fall down off the wall, and it's it's hard to get back up once you let that wall keep you down. And I think what you're saying is exactly true. You got to keep pushing through those things. So let me ask you, let me kind of turn the question around to you. Like, as you've talked to the guys on your show, Richard, what, did, what would you say is the like, all right, I'm in year one. I'm kind of ground floor year one in my business, staying hungry, staying humble. I'm hustling. Like, what's the best advice that you feel like you're catching as you're recording these episodes? I think a lot of them is to use the family support they have. Mm-hmm. Know that they can keep that mindset that they can do. Don't, don't ever let anything, anyone or anything tell you you can't. Always right. move forward. Never, never stop when things get tough. Because if you do that, then you're basically you're defeating yourself at that point. Yeah, it's so good. It's like yeah, it's not a failure unless you don't give get up. Right? Is if you keep going, right. you can you can. And and here's a great example of this. Like literally last week, I had to let a, a teammate go that we brought on. Um, friend, still a friend, great guy, just wasn't a good fit for the role. And, you know, it's easy to get discouraged, be like, man, I really stink at coming up with new job descriptions because obviously I hire this dude and he doesn't work out, but it's not like <laughs> that. Okay, I learned a lot from this guy. He learned a lot from me. We're still friends, even on the back end of this time to go back to the drawing board and say, okay, what did I learn last time? Oh yeah. I didn't give him this clarity. Oops. I didn't realize that I needed him to have this skill or, you know, whatever it is. And I think that happens with everything. Like if a customer tells you, you know, like I had a customer, I fired a customer last week, Richard, and it's because they was ugly to some of my teammates and we kind of have a no, oh. no assholes policy at seller accountant. Right. I mean, you're not going to treat our team that what poorly or we're going to let you go. And he's mad at me. And so I was kind of getting over the emotional, like, well, geez, I guess, I guess we're not any good. Someone's mad at us, but it's just not like that. You just gotta, gotta kind of keep pushing, keep working. And and not take things personal. Like you're saying it, business is not a, a place for basically friends because things yeah. go sour sometimes in business and, you got to be strong on both ends of it. If you were friends before, you'll be friends after. The business is just a thing in the in the middle of it, I believe. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And something I learned from last week, especially with a client that we had to let go, is you really learn a lot about someone's character. You learn about your own character or someone else's character when you see how they interact with someone that they don't have to be nice to. So, like, you know, you're in a grocery store and you see, see how someone interacts with the, like, guy bagging the groceries or like the waitress at the restaurant, like the way you treat someone that you don't have to be nice to is a good indicator of your character. And so that was what I realized about this entrepreneur is like, you know what, man, if you're going to treat an intern like that, or you're going to treat a low level accountant like that, yeah, just probably not the kind of character we want to have tied into our company. And 
Um, great teachable moment for our team is like, hey, a lot of what you portray to the marketplace is in the small conversations. Can you be, can you be as genuine and authentic and humble in every conversation you have where you're genuinely trying to serve people? And if you do that, things kind of tend to take care of themselves. You know, if you're a jerk, it kind of what goes around comes around eventually. Right. And you can see that anywhere in life, really. Even if you're on vacation, you're at the beach, you're on your little, uh, your little pad at the beach sitting there. And you can, the people two, two pads down from you start arguing with someone because a, a ball landed on them or a frisbee landed on them. They could just pick up the frisbee and throw it back to them. Instead, they decide to become uh, the big jerk in the, in the instance and cause a fight. They could just pick up the frisbee and say, here you go. Just try not to hit us again. But right. they decide to go that weird, that weird route and go nuts. It doesn't yep. help anything. Yep. Completely so agree. Me, me, like when I go to restaurants and uh, the staff that comes over to help us, the servers, I always greet them by their name. And it kind of throws them off sometimes because they don't always get that. They don't yeah. – people just say, yeah, I want this, I want that. But then if you say, hello, Mary, I'd like this, they look like, how'd you know my name? Well, you have a name tag on. Right, and, right. <laughs> I'm trying to be personable with you. <laughs> so it kind of well, makes them actually – they treat you better too that way. That's right. Well, yeah, and you kind of – if you kind of have the mindset, like you said earlier, of just – treating people with dignity and respect. And, you know, when people screw up, give them the benefit, be clear about your expectations. It doesn't mean we don't let people go when they screw up. It just means we have respect for people. You know, you, you expect people to treat you with respect, um, but you're quick to give people grace. And I do agree with you. There's nothing that lights up a person's day, like feeling like they're treated better than the world normally treats them. And obviously you know, we keep talking about like a waitress, but that's, but there's a lot of roles like that where people give their lives away to serve us, you know, right. better deal with this. Right. And then, and then they encounter a normal person that treats them like garbage. And so I think our opportunity is to be different, is to be remarkable in the sense that we, um, you know, we just display our character in the way we have those conversations. And so I, uh, yeah, I applaud you for that, Richard. That's great. Yeah, it was one time in a restaurant here, I think it was a month or two ago, me and my wife went, usually go out on Thursday nights, went out and there was three young men uh, sitting at the table behind us. They were just throwing the F-bomb, F this and F that and cursing. And the young server, she was trying to be professional and everything, and they were cursing at her, telling her to get stuff. So I just called her manager over and told them to move us before I went a little crazy with uh, PTSD or whatever at that point. So they moved us, and I said, but I want my same uh, server. So we can't do that. So if you can't give me the same server, just give her a tip and I'll leave. It's no, no, no. So they gave her to us and I sat her down at our table. I said, you don't need to put up with that. Hmm. I said, when someone does that to you, you tell your manager and have them removed, remove them from the equation. You don't need to be treated like that to keep a job. And no one ever told her that stuff before. Yeah. It's such a great, great moment for her. I mean, that's a, I was in a leadership group last year, Richard, where this, this kind of reminds me of this. There were, there's a TED talk out there about this idea of a lollipop moment, this idea that uh, in the illustration was a guy that was maybe volunteering on a college campus and, you know, interact with these two scared, you know, out of their minds, freshmen and, you know, had the one young man like uh, hand a lollipop to the young lady and brighten both of their days. And lo, lo and behold, they, they get married. And the guy who did this like great tiny act of kindness to these two kids didn't even remember this incident, right? Like it wasn't even something that was on his radar, but the impact, the the waves of the impact of his kindness uh, on this, you know, couple, uh, the way that they uh, viewed themselves, the, the the five or six words that he said to them, 
were engineered in such a way as to build them up, as to serve them, as to give them a better view of themselves. And so, you know, it's like kind of like that for you, right, Richard, you sit down with a the young lady who's just been chewed out uh, at a restaurant and your words can either bring life, which may ripple through the rest of her life, or it can take life. And so, yeah, man, that's awesome. I love it. And, and I mean, when I was younger, I was probably that idiot cursing at the table behind me. But now that I've aged and I've gotten wiser and stronger in the mind, I'm a, I think things through a lot more now than I would have when I was probably their age, 20, 21 years old. Hmm. Um, so, Good. Yeah. So I was, no, just, I just affirm that man, there's maturity there, which I guess again, allows me to have some grace for the 21 year old. That's being an idiot also. Cause I, I'm sure that was me sometimes, but <laughs> so Richard, let me ask you this. What's the biggest, if and you're kind of having to intuit this, but what's the biggest obstacle or challenge that you feel like your listeners probably have um, either acclimating to new normal or mindset, leadership, business, otherwise. I think the biggest challenge for, for a lot of them is finding that the new normal, like you said, is going from where doing something the same way for so long and then starting over. Mm-hmm. Now, I have some that are starting that new thing while they're in. It's going to be an easy transition because so they already started their, their network. They already started their business, their model, and they're actually active duty still. And will move out into a smooth transition as they uh, re- retire or PCS or ETS from the Army or military. And then there's some that they get out and, of course, as recruiters, as soon as you come out, you're a veteran. We want you to be an entrepreneur, and I think you'll be a great fit. So they hear, they see that light that says, oh, yeah, I'll be a great fit. But they don't understand the work that goes into it. Mm-hmm. And you have to understand the financial backing you'll need to be an entrepreneur. You understand you're going to need a team with you. It can't just be you. Even if it's just a one-person business, you still need a team behind you to push it. And I think that's a one roadblock a lot of people have is that transition from being told what to do every day to telling yourself what to do every day. Yeah. Wow. That's so good. It's a, I mean, what's so great about the military is you, you really do develop good habits in a lot of ways, but then like, like you said, all of a sudden your, your life gets kind of etch a sketch, right? Everything's been shaken up and you're, you're now having to redefine that rhythm. And so, man, I just, I empathize with that big time. And I, I guess the only thing I would say to that challenge is, you know, start small, like make sure you have your small, whatever your morning routine is. Like for me, it's try to get up early, you know, try to read the Bible for a minute, try to exercise, like whatever your like routine is, you brush your teeth, whatever it is that you like, that's meaningful to you, like start trying to stack those habits so that you can create your own kind of quote unquote structure. And um, I feel like I saw this in my dad's life a lot, like, right, like post Marine Corps, um, although you're never not a Marine, right. But, but, but post Marine Corps as a, as a vocation, you know, he really had to like block and, and decide to manage his time. I'm not going to let my time manage me. I'm going to like actually say, you know, 9 a.m. to this time is I'm actually going to do this. I'm not going to just wait and let things happen. Um, yeah, but wow. So let me ask you a question about those recruiters. So if somebody's retiring or they're getting out and are the recruiters coming to try to connect them with like employers, like businesses that want them? Or are they trying to convince them to start businesses or sell insurance? Or like, what, what kind of recruiters are these? I actually had almost everyone you just said right there when I was getting out. I had someone that, that said, you're a great fit to do a job. If you'd come up to Washington, D.C., and uh, we're having this conference, we'll talk it over. So I drove up there thinking it was for a job and it was to become an insurance salesman. I said, I don't want to be an insurance salesman. And then I had a I forget what the name of the organization was, but they were 
basically headhunters for franchises. And they looked for veteran entrepreneurs because they knew they'd get VA backing and such. So they target the veteran as they come out because they know the veterans can get the small business loan through the VA and start their franchise. And they, oh, you fit into these three uh, franchises. One was, uh, I was given three at the one time. One was a security one. One was a mobile gym. And I think the other one was like a kickboxing uh, kind of gym thing. He said, yeah, you'll fit great and easy. You just need X amount of dollars. Just pick one of them and we'll get you lined up because they're looking for their commission as well. Yeah. And then, of course, there's those people that have businesses or have contracts that they're putting in bids for the military or for the government that they just need resumes for. So they target the veteran coming out because, hey, we need that skill set. If you just uh, apply to us, we'll get back to you. But all they're doing is trying to win that bid. And then they yeah. just let you down and say, oh, no, we didn't get the bid. There's no job. So that's where the kind of the veterans face as they come out. Gosh, that's like, that's like a little disappointing, honestly. You know, it's like, uh, yes, I understand all of those business models and man, so many things popped into my mind as you were saying that Richard, one of them is um, if anyone's into reading kind of a relatively new book, Gino Wickman wrote a book called the entrepreneurial leap. So the entrepreneurial leap by Gino Wickman is a great book for kind of like self-discovery. Do I have the wiring to be, like it's a, it's a different kind of entrepreneur who starts a business from scratch versus one who buys a franchise versus one that needs to be a sales guy that doesn't have a team. Like there's a different kind of wiring that makes you happier. And it really is not a one size fits all. Not everyone, the right person needs to buy a franchise and it needs to be, and that's going to be the perfect fit for them. But the wrong person is going to be miserable buying a franchise. Right. And so it's kind of like that with selling insurance or doing any of these other gigs. And I would just encourage the guys out there to do a little bit of self-discovery, you know, all the, any personality testing, get your hands on, and then maybe look at Gino's stuff from the entrepreneurial leap. I, th- I found it pretty helpful to say, okay, you know what, the way I'm wired, I need to go get a job and that is cool, but let me make sure I'm shopping all the opportunities. And if you hate sales and you hate phone books, you certainly don't want to be an insurance salesperson because that <laughs> it's a miserable business. Exactly. To get started. Yeah. Yeah, and their their advice to me was, oh, you can sell it to all your family first. I said, no, I don't want to do that at all. At all. I don't want to do that. Yeah. I don't want to sell my family anything. So that that's what that turned me off right away. And then I, I actually met a person up there that was in my old career field, which was a chemical, biological, radiological, nuclear. And he actually had a company up there. We sat and had coffee, and he told me the ins and outs of a lot of stuff. I just shook hands with him and said, when you have a real position, call me. And I, and I drove back to Tennessee from Washington, D.C. that day. <laughs> so I wound up I wound up taking a a year off from the time I retired to the time I got a real job. Exactly one year. Kind of makes sense, honestly. Yes, yeah. so, I mean maybe that's the other thing is if you've built enough financial cushion for yourself when you get out, whether it's retirement or otherwise, you know, to to give yourself the space to heal, to to kind of find normal with your family, and to discover what it is that you really are passionate about and instead of just diving in. I mean, obviously not everyone's going to have the luxury. You got to eat. <laughs> if you got to eat, you got to eat. Time to go get something. But, you know, whether you start your hustling in day one or day 60, you know, give yourself some permission to be be nice to yourself, you know. And um, right. um, so, wow. Yeah. 
you know, I gave myself that permission until my wife told me I had to no longer have that permission to get out of the house. <laughs> yeah. To be clear, your spouse may have the may have the authority to remove that permission from you. <laughs> yes. And she was more than happy when I got a job after one year. Oh, that's so great, man. That's awesome. Yeah. But another thing, a lot of veterans they don't make it a year at their first job when they get out. There's a very high statistics. It's over 80% that don't make it a year in, the, in their first job out of the military. Why do you think that is, Richard? I think a lot of it has to do with structure and uh, dealing with the military-civilian divide from the structure of everything in the military to going to the civilian side. And it's kind of more of a lackadaisical, for lack of better words at this time. In the military, you have to have everything done by this time. And when you get to the civilian side, you, you might go in there and work hard and you're thinking everyone's just lazy, but that's just the way they work because they're working by the hour. Mm-hmm. And they, they get a task and they have a week to do that task or you used to do that task in maybe two hours in the military because you had to or you're going to get in trouble. Mm-hmm. On that side, you got to book 40 hours for a client or 40 hours for your boss. And it's hard to understand that that first job and a lot of people just burn out real quick trying to me- mentally do that gymnastics, that mental judo, and then it's realize once they leave that job oh, now I understand what's going on and then they wind up in another job where they most wind up in a better job or a better place after that man how stupid is that by the way that like uh this is like true in accounting world also like so for a hundred and whatever years accounting firms have been using kind of a time and materials model that means they bill you by the hour for their work and how dumb is that? Like there's like, I'm going to pay the slowest, dumbest guy on the team. Like he's the one that gets the raise <laughs> at the accounting firm. Yeah. It took, him, took him twice as long to get the work done as the other guy that's willing to hustle and get it done. And we are fundamentally opposed to that model at seller accountants. We, uh, I, I hate that model. I want to, I don't want to sell the labor pains. I want to sell the baby, right? People don't care. <laughs> Exactly. I don't care how many screws were required to build that Chevrolet truck. They want to buy the truck, you know, that kind of thing. And so I'd say it's, I could see that being a really difficult, like intuitively, maybe it was because of my dad's military time or whatever, but I'm, I'm thankful that my mindset has always been like, that's really dumb. What do you mean you wouldn't work harder to go and get it done now? Like why, why are we booking 40 hours? Like that's the dumbest thing ever. And so, you know, now as a business owner, I'm like, okay, we remember guys, we're going to, we're gonna. We're never gonna punish you for getting better. If you get better, come to me. And we're gonna make sure you get paid, right? <laughs> you know, like. <laughs> but what we want to do is we want to build our clients based on the actual value we're delivering to them. And you know, we're not built. I don't have. There's no such thing as an hourly rate at our accounting firm because, like, that doesn't compute for me. Like, I'm gonna try to get faster next month than I am this month, and I'm gonna try to give you more value next month. And anyway, it's just kind of the way it works. And just like if a. Uh... Say you go to a psychiatrist, they book by the hour and they know how many hours they're going to milk you out of money until they say that they think you're okay. Yeah. So we need 30, 37 visits at an hour each at $200 a visit. Oh, that's great. Great idea. It doesn't, <laughs> does not compute. <laughs> no, it really doesn't. Yeah. It's so tough, man. Wow. <laughs> So Tyler, if someone on the someone's listening and they say I want to get in touch with Tyler and I want to contact him to see how he can help me get me better, how do they do that? So I mean, you can feel free to email me. My first name is Tyler T Y L E R, and the website is sellerraccountant.com. So you can learn more about us at sellerraccountant.com, or you can feel free to just email me directly at tyler at sellerraccountant.com. Awesome. 
Uh, Tyler, thanks again for being flexible with me and uh, have a good Athens day and go dogs. Richard, you're the man, buddy. Thanks for having me. Take care. That was great chat with Tyler Jeffco. He let us know what his team can do to help small businesses become more profitable. Check out his link in the show notes and get a free consultation. We have said it before. It is worth saying again. If you are not feeling right mentally, do not try and go it alone. Do not make a permanent decision on a temporary problem. Reach out, phone a friend, hell, message us here. We will get you moving in the right direction. So you know how we do this. Thanks for taking some of your time to spend with us on The Misfit Nation. Be sure to hit that subscribe button and share the link as much as possible. If you want to, please become a sponsor to help carry this on. We appreciate you. And as always, till next time, be humble, stay hungry, and keep hustling. Because we are The Misfit Nation.